Welcome to Central Coast Conversations, the podcast that will feature in-depth and engaging discussions with influencers and community leaders, as well as national and local hot topics that are being talked about by everyone, everywhere. Greetings, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Yvonne Thomas, and it is indeed a pleasure to have the new Superintendent President of Monterey Peninsula College, Dr. Marshall Fulbright III, as my special guest today. Dr. Fulbright has more than 24 years of experience as a transformational leader in education. And on September 29th, he will be inducted as Monterey Peninsula College's 12th Superintendent President. And he will also be the first African-American to hold this position. Coming up next, my conversation with Dr. Marshall Fulbright. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Fulbright. Thank you for joining me today. You are the new superintendent president of Monterey Peninsula College. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And your bio tells us that you are from Southern California. So can we start with you sharing your story about your background as an educator and how your career path guided you to MPC and the Monterey Peninsula? Well, well, first of all, Ms. Thomas, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate that question because far too often we focus on our arrival point and we f- sometimes forget about the paths that we take and also the people involved in those paths. So I am from Southern California. I am third, fourth generation from Pasadena, California and came through public schools. So through Longfellow Elementary, Washington Middle School, John Muir High School, mm-hmm. taking classes at Pasadena City College, I always knew I wanted to be in, in education. I, I loved music. So music was always a part of my life. It was a part of my family's life. And I, I, I did that and went that route. But I always knew that at some time, at some point in my career, I would be uh, in education, a teacher. I loved it. I love just being around other learners, other students. And I, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I went to, I was fortunate enough coming from Northwest Pasadena to be able to go to Chapman University. And that was an enormous leap. I vividly remember not knowing what I wanted to do. And uh, one of the most influential, two influential people in my life, but one was my grandmother. And I remember going to her one afternoon and, and saying, uh, is it okay if I major in music? And without a, a, a skip of a beat, she said, of course. And you know, I had been taking all these music classes in high school, but at that time I was going to go into chemistry. And I'd gone to a, a geospace academy and I was, I was just gonna, I was gonna be a pharmacist. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And, not realizing or not allowing myself to realize that that's not, that was not my path. It was a path that I thought I should have been on. But when someone allowed me the opportunity to follow my own path, I didn't look back. So that was late in my senior year. 
uh, when I say late, I want to say April or May. Mm-hmm. And I told my music teacher, and of course she was, <laughs> I, I, I remember her reaction. I was like, oh, well, duh. <laughs> like, like this is what you've been doing. Right. Like, you take every single music class we have. And her name is Joe Stalp. Mm-hmm. And she took off of work and drove, called, called the director at Chapman University took off of work and drove me down from Pasadena to Orange, California, which is about an hour to take me for an audition. And then sat there and spoke with him. And by the end of that day, I had a scholarship to go to Chapman University. Mm-hmm. Um, that was life-changing for me. Okay. You know, it was life-changing for my, my, my family, my grandmother to say, you can do this life-changing to have um, a person outside to see value and talent in you and to put themselves out there to help you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Up until this day, I still, obviously, I still talk about her Mm -hmm. and the influence she had on me as a human being, both she and my uh, my grandmother. Uh, My grandmother, you know, Lola Griffin, Mm -hmm. uh, Granny G, (laughs) everybody (laughs) called her. Uh Uh, My friends like, oh, Granny G. Yes, (laughs) Granny G. Um, that was that. I, I, I remember the the apprehension, mm-hmm. you know, being uprooted. I remember getting the first bill from Chapman and going in my room and crying. How am I supposed to afford twenty four thousand mm-hmm. dollars? You know, we, had, we we were not wealthy. We were, we were very low, low, low middle class. If if that, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, upper poverty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like we still had bean rice cornbread, mm-hmm. you know, three days a week sometimes, right. you know, we were, but we were, I didn't want for much, but we were definitely not, uh, I want something. So therefore you get it, you had to work, mm-hmm. but having that opportunity and then getting there with a duffel bag and a blanket, mm-hmm. like that's how I moved into college. Right. I did not have you know, the whole family there, mm-hmm. you know, moving me in, going to Target and buying you all this new stuff. Right. And, you know, I didn't like that lamp. No, I had a duffel bag, a little boom box that was literally, you know, a small boom box that had one CD player on the top uh-huh. and, and, a, and, a, and a blanket. And that's how I started off my, my career at Chapman. Okay. I mean, nothing else in my space. So from there, getting through working as a work-study student. You know, I, I worked in a computer lab. I worked as a tutor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working on campus to, to make ends meet. But that, that, that shaped who I, who I am now, to, to, to be in a space and to see all the, the, the haves and me wanting to be a, not just a part of that world, but to go, I have an opportunity here. I'm, I'm going to take advantage of this. Because I was not one of them. You could walk on campus and count the number of, of, of black students on campus. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew everybody. You know, there were like eight of us <laughs> on the campus. Yeah. So I needed to, 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 to make my way through there. After that, I immediately started teaching. So elementary school, high school, then went back and did my, my, my master's degree in music, orchestral conducting from uh, University of California at Santa Barbara. And after that, I started in arts administration. So I did contracts, setting up stages, setting up you know arts production mm-hmm. for Santa Barbara Symphony, Santa Barbara Chamber Orchestra, uh, eventually the Pacific Symphony in Orange County. 
And I just knew that was not my calling. Mm. I could do it, but it, I just wasn't satisfied. Right. So this is a, a theme in my life of, of doing something and then realizing that this is not your calling and to change and to not wait for things to happen, but to actually just make it happen. So I quit, I quit. And I knew that I needed to do that in order to take the training wheels off and to, to fly. Mm-hmm. And I, I got one job offer. It took me back east to Waterville, Maine, uh, a Colby College mm-hmm. to be a, a sabbatical replacement. I did that. And that then starts to open the door to other positions. Mm-hmm. So that when you come from a full-time position, even just for a short amount of time, people see you as, oh, this is a viable candidate. Right. So I got other offers, a one, another back east and another at Long Beach City College. Mm-hmm. So being from Southern California where there's sun and not snow, I came, exactly. <laughs> I came back to, to Southern California and was at Long Beach City College as a, a full-time music instructor. From there was a department chair and then moving to College of the Sequoias as a dean and to the Riverside Community College District as a dean. And then to the San Diego, oh, sorry, the Grossmont Cuyamaca District in San Diego as a vice president. Mm-hmm. All of that, all of um, my path influenced how I see things. And I think that's what led me here to Monterey Peninsula College is, is I understand the struggle. Mm-hmm. I understand what it's like to be in a world of haves, mm-hmm. but you're really a have not. Okay. You know, how many. I can tell you as a, at Chapman, there were two black people in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. It was me and Noel. And then she quit uh, being a music major, I think our sophomore year. We're so all alone. <laughs> so it, it was me. Right. You know, so I, I knew what it's like to be in that environment. It was a welcoming environment. Mm-hmm. You know, Monterey Peninsula Clutch is a welcoming environment. And you also have to realize that, the, that the, our community, other students that come on here are very vulnerable. They're walking into this environment. It's still foreign to us. Mm-hmm. It's still different. So I do my best to make everyone feel welcome, regardless of who they are, where they come from. Some it's easier, mm-hmm. some it's more challenging. Right. But I think that's our, our, our role and our job is to make people feel welcome where we are. And that has been again, a theme of my, of my career and trajectory from, from middle school, high school up to where I am now, which is, you know, that's a span of almost 40 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's almost hard for me to say it's been that long, but it's, it's just a, us talking. It's just a, okay, we'll, we'll keep it between we'll me, keep and it between me and you. <laughs> uh, everyone thinks I'm, 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 I'm 30 anyway. So mm-hmm. let's just keep it that way. Right. Just between us. Okay. That's a wonderful story so far. And I actually have some familiarity with Chapman. My sister um, attended Chapman on a music scholarship. I think I introduced you to her several weeks ago. But it's just a very strange combination that the two of Mm -hmm. you would attend that school as music majors. Yes. But both have you both have a strong passion for music. I remember that. And we even had the same some of the same instructors. You did. We did. You know, she had them. I would I'd be happy to say that I had them at the end of their career. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But yes. No, but that's a wonderful story. But you are now here as the superintendent president president of MPC. Can you take us through a day in the life? I know you've only been in the job a short period of time, but what's the day in the life of the superintendent president at MPC right now? Well, what a good question. Um, chaotic, mm-hmm. but not bad. Okay. So I, 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 I think that's not the right word. It's varied. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I usually take at least at least one time in the day to walk the campus. So you, sometimes twice. Every day? Every day. Mm-hmm. I have to get out of this space of my office and see what we're doing, see the faces of our students and mm-hmm. our faculty and our, our staff. Right. Because that it re-energizes me. Because at the further and further away you get from students, the harder it is to make those connections sometimes. Right. Sometimes I'm signing things or making decisions about something that's going to happen, and I have no idea <laughs> the ripple effect down way or see it happen. Yeah. So I, I usually get out. My typical day starts usually around, well, it starts first thing in the morning, so I'm usually on email when I shouldn't be. But I'm usually in the space, in the office, or on campus by 7.15, 7 mm-hmm. um, I focus a lot on going through emails or paperwork from the previous day uh, because I can never get through it. Mm-hmm. So I typically tell my colleagues that if it comes through anytime in the afternoon, you should expect some sort of response by the next morning uh, because there's too much to get to right. and to sift through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my day usually, usually consists of meetings. Again, my role, and I think any superintendent president or president or chancellor or any leader's role is, and this is challenging to say, it's it's not to do. What we should be doing is supporting others. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the the weight on my shoulders is not necessarily always my own weight, is I carry the weight of every single VP and dean and staff member and faculty member on the entire campus. So as a VP, it was quote unquote easier because I, I had the weight of the shoulder on my shoulders of this one section of, of folk. Now it's every single VP. So everyone's problem or challenge becomes my challenge. Mm-hmm. So when I'm meeting with, with, with people, I'm usually hearing them out and trying to figure out a, a policy or a, a larger solution. Mm-hmm. And that solution may be not the actual problem, but something to, you know, two clicks up, you know, what can I do to help support uh, this member in a policy or a decision about something that then can turn into a decision that they make later? So, a lot of my meetings are are updates, and this is here's a challenge we're having, and then it's a brainstorming session between myself and someone else mm-hmm. or a group of people to figure out. Again, for me, it's not always that problem because I always I, I think my 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 biggest, if I can call it this, a superpower, is I hear or see a, an issue, and I don't always hear or see that issue. I see all of the things that has happened to lead to that. That is a superpower, <laughs> if you can do that. Because yes. many people will focus on, oh, I'm, I'm unable to do this. And my question usually is, okay, we're not able to do this. Why are we not able to do that? What are the things in place that are or, or inhibiting you mm-hmm. from doing that. Mm-hmm. Because if we can work on those, then the task will be okay. I think it's very um, myopic and small to think about how to fix one person's problem. Mm-hmm. You have to teach, you know, give a man a fish, mm-hmm. he'll eat for a day. Right. <laughs> you know, teach him how to fish, 
I, I'm much more of a, a, a bigger picture, teach a person how to fish, teach a person how to analyze themselves. And that's my role. So that's a typical day for me is when some of my colleagues say, well, you don't teach anymore. You're not teaching, you're out right. of I teach every single day. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching, I just have it to not be teaching students in a classroom. I'm teaching colleagues. I'm learning from colleagues. Um, I'm teaching them about my philosophies and about my views and and the experience that I bring to certain issues and challenges. Um, and when I when I bring those things up, the they're usually like, "Oh, I hadn't thought of that." That's my opportunity to then teach them mm-hmm. about an alternative thought process or an alternative um, a solution to a a challenge that they're having that they may not even have thought of or they had thought of, but weren't sure how to do. Right. So um, my typical day consists of interacting with others, assisting them in being more uh, efficient, or I don't like to use the term better, because it's a judgment, but I want people to be better off by interaction that they have with me. Mm-hmm. Whatever that may be, however small or large. So, most interactions, and it could be something simple. Mm-hmm. It could be simple. Like <laughs> earlier today, I helped a, um, uh, as I was walking, helped a student find the restroom. That's some knowledge that they didn't have mm-hmm. before interacting with me. And they would have either just walked around and found it, so they would have probably gained the knowledge. But to me, that's a philosophy of if I can help someone, however large or small, they will then be, you know, that person probably, you know, save some time by not having to look, got to their class on time. Right. You know, I have no idea what the ripple effect was, right. but all I quote unquote did was help them locate the nearest restroom. Okay. So we have hundreds and thousands of opportunities like that in a day. And my colleagues out on this campus will hear me say that, that we've had, we have hundreds and thousands of opportunities on a daily basis to help someone do better in, in achieving their their academic or career or life goals. So I don't take that thing, those things for granted. Okay. Tell us about Monterey Peninsula College. What new and exciting things are going on at NPC this year? Wow. That's just a, a few. Just a few. <laughs> just a few. Just a few because uh-huh. there's, you know, do you want the, 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 the shiny version or like the, the back office? You know, do you want the Disneyland or do you want the, the, the back version because I could because for me what I would say is a lot of what I get to do is talk about a lot of the or I get to work on a lot of the back operational things mm-hmm. that then turn into the shiny front. How about one of each? One of <laughs> so one of each. Yeah. So shiny front is if you haven't been on the Monterey Peninsula campus in a year, 10 years, I suggest you come now if you want to feel nostalgic. Because in five, 10 years, this place will not look the same. A lot of change coming. A lot of change coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it has to do with the bond, which I'm extremely happy that the, the community mm-hmm. is really dedicated to this, to this institution. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't take that for granted. So a lot of construction projects. Mm-hmm. This morning, I sat in on a meeting uh, one of my meetings mm-hmm. to talk about the uh, the new music building that's going to, need to be coming online. So construction will start next summer. So we're thinking about how what 
the footprint is going to be, the teardown. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's the music building. It is a new welcome center. It'll be new and things that are like pretty, but new roofs, mm-hmm. new you know air conditioning, which are important. Which are, which are important. <laughs> yeah, you know the roofs are like if I don't like to uh, air our dirty laundry, but if you walk through the music building, because mm-hmm. I'm a musician, so what do you think the first place I went to? You look? went to see the music building, mm-hmm. right? Externally, outside, there's a hole in the ceiling in the roof, mm. and for me, it's. Our teaching and in learning environments are supportive of what we, what students, I mean, that's, that's their working condition. Yeah. So that building coming down is, to me, it's, it's going to be a challenge for us in the transition, but it's always that. But the new space is going to be so invigorating. So, so they're knocking it down completely? Oh, or? it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. There, It's like flat, leveled okay. from the ground up. This is a rebuild. This is not a... um a remodel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be gone. And we're starting there. Same thing with a, a welcome center. So those are the two new buildings that are, the first two buildings that are going to be coming, uh, starting construction very soon. So we're okay. in the design phases of those. So looking at architectural schematics and, mm-hmm. you know, again, the, the not fun stuff. Right. But all of that stuff is trying to keep us on budget, mm-hmm. um, which is also a huge challenge with sure. all of the supply chain. And, yeah. and I mean, some of the buildings have almost doubled in cost from what we originally thought. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a challenge to keep things within our budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of the, uh, the the pretty exterior things. Some of the back uh, things are, are, are things like working with uh, my colleagues to set up, um, I say this, to set up systems in place that ensure the college is more efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have an X number of employees that are doing a lot of work, but there's so many new systems that we have that we, or sorry, so many new systems systems that we don't have on campus mm-hmm. that would help them do their work more efficiently. More efficiently. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the huge things is uh, uh, enterprise resource, our, our, our ERP. That's something that no one likes to hear about, but having all of our systems talk to each other mm-hmm. is a big deal because right now we're working on spreadsheets and, and humans connecting and entering in data multiple times. Right. And imagine what will happen if when we have this new program, we're not going to be getting rid of people, mm-hmm. but the people, existing people that we have are going to be able to do more things. Okay. You know, so that's a, that's a behind the scenes thing that's going mm-hmm. on with, with our IT, our financial aid, our human resources, right. our fiscal services, uh, how we are doing those things, which, you know, I've, I've asked for reports at times and uh, I rightfully get, you know, this will take me, you know, a day or two because it'll take one of my colleagues uh, six hours to, to do. These are reports at other institutions that you could go to a report menu, click on it, and it would come out. Instantly. Instantly. Right. So, so just the 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 sheer amount of time that we're paying someone to sit down to do three to six hours of work—that's mm-hmm. three or six hours that they're not doing something else, right. which they could be doing. Mm-hmm. So, that's not the pretty part about it. It's going to be a real challenge over the next two years to transition all of our systems. But that is something that when we are done, 
the capacity of our employees, the the workload, the the, the mental um, strain that's on some of them now mm-hmm. will be re- relieved. Right. You know, they'll enjoy being there because when someone asks them for a report, they're not going to cringe a little <laughs> bit. They're going to say, oh, okay, I could just click and it'll be done. Right. So uh, the environment, the workplace, the feel of uh, the place will be different because we'll have systems and mechanisms in place that will make our work, I don't like to use easier because that's, uh, that seems lazy. Mm-hmm. It's not easier. It's mm-hmm. just much more efficient mm-hmm. and a better use of people's time. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it. Okay, let's let's change gears a little bit here. Okay. As a new resident of Central California, first of all, do you like it? Do of you course. Like it here? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What do, you, what, do, what do you like about Central California oh. now that you're here on our beautiful Monterey Peninsula? Well, first of all, you 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 said beautiful. I it, did. The, the the beauty of this place. Some when I'm driving, sometimes I I will stop and I'll, I'll I sometimes will take up just a picture. Um, know of the bay and of the mm-hmm. area going oh my god this, i get to live here <laughs> right um but just the, the the beauty um the beauty physically uh, i mean you can be in in the trees in the in the woods and in, in shade you can be on the beach in the sun sometimes in the sun <laughs> and sand um but th- these places are 10 minutes from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that opportunity to, to go to have that transition. Uh the people's dedication and love of this space. You know, the, the just the fact of having this bond. Um I haven't spoken to anyone that goes, "Oh god, I hate living here." Everyone loves living here. Yeah. You know, it's a space where people who live here love it, people who don't want to and and that's phenomenal. Um the amount of art I, you know, I notice things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a dedication to, um, to artists here, which I think is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. I love the fact that it's a dedication to artists and there's a dedication to uh, our, our, our working community members as well, our working families. Um, I, I get to talk to my, my friends and family when I say I live, right, currently I live out in, in East Garrison, you know, housing is a challenge of the mm-hmm. whole peninsula. Yes. Uh, that's where I was able to find space. And I can walk out and we'll block down. I can see all the agriculture. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of of the hardworking individuals who enable us to eat. Yes. And sustain us. Yes. And something like that does not go unnoticed by me because I think of my own histories my own family histories and, mm-hmm. and culturally and how um, my ancestors sustained our our society, right. helped build this. So when I look at our, our agriculture workers, I, I think, my God, how, I, I'm sure they don't even realize the, you know, they're, they're working, but do they realize how much they are sustaining our, the world around them? And more importantly, do the folks buying the food realize the workers and what they're doing to help sustain us? So I see that part of the spectrum with uh, where I am, where I can look out and see uh, uh, produce being picked. And I see the other end of the spectrum where I see this beautiful artwork in a downtown area or in someone's window, mm-hmm. you know, and and that this is all within 
you know, 10, 12 miles of each other, um, which is not common in other areas. Right. You don't have that. You right. know, when, when you're in San Diego or Los Angeles, you have to drive an hour and a half to get out you know, to where we're, they're, they're, they're growing our foods because they, they will take it out there and grow it and then ship it in. Right. But here you literally see it growing. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love that about this area, the people, the beauty, the, 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 diver the diversity in, in people here is, is amazing and unique. Very, very unique. And I've had the luxury of being born and raised here in, on the Monterey Peninsula, but also living in Southern California for 30 years. Mm. So I know mm -hmm. exactly what you speak of. And I think I read somewhere that um, you're also a sports fan, a Dodger fan. We won't hold that against you, but is that true? <laughs> <laughs> someone someone recently, when I said that, said, wasn't that a part of the the, the application process? <laughs> you know, they didn't, did you yeah, disclose yeah, that, yeah, right? Well, was that a part of the interview process? Right. And yes, I'm a, a, a huge Dodger fan. Mm -hmm. um, but... But I am a huge baseball fan. Okay. All right. So um, when we were in San Diego, I know I, we were, I constantly were at, at the Padres, Padres games. games. Mm -hmm. So I just love baseball. Okay. I walked today, even walking for this interview, I stopped, I, uh, I hear the sound of the bat and uh -huh. I, I want to be out there. So I've already been to a, a an Oakland A's game. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to going to a, what's the other team up here? <laughs> The, the midgets, the giants. <laughs> the, we're, the we're, we're sliding down, you're sliding down a slippery sli slope here, okay? <laughs> Let me pull myself yeah, back pull up. Pull yourself back up right um, now. The, the, the San Francisco giants, mm -hmm. who I, I, I will, I'll be honest with you, there's a mutual respect there. Mm -hmm. They're huge uh, Dodgers rivals. So if the Dodgers are in town, uh, I will be rooting for the Dodgers, but I am very much willing to root for the, the home team because I, I respect them. Well, you're you're better than I am because I lived in Southern California for 30 years and would go to Dodger Stadium wearing my Giants jersey. Oh, you I are great. I'm a diehard Giants fan. Yeah. Um, went to games at Candlestick Park, the old Candlestick Park, probably when I was in diapers. Oh, my god! My dad and mom were just huge baseball fans. So uh, I'll be a Giants fan for life. We've had our, our rough years, as you know. Yes. <laughs> as you know. But we're now, we've got all these World Series titles behind mm -hmm. us. So. We can I, still be friends. Okay. Yes, I, I will. I'm. I would love to go to a game with you. Okay. In my, I, I have about five five Dodgers jerseys. Mm -hmm. So I know. have a Barry Bonds jersey that oh. I still wear. So, I still wear. So, and and yeah. the thing, what's funny about that is that um, when I was in San Diego, everyone was a Padres fan, mm -hmm. and I, I I have a picture of um, maybe. 10 or 15 people in their Padres jerseys and then one guy in the middle in their in my Dodger jersey. Yeah. So and I, I always say um to me that's that, that should be life. It should be life. It should be life. It used to be like that and then it got dangerous going to Dodger Stadium mm -hmm. in Giants gear. It used to be fun. Yeah, and so you got the right was... and then it got really scary yeah. with people getting hurt. Mm -hmm. But I but when I when I say it should be life, it should my thing is I can believe in something and you can believe in something and that doesn't mean that you're a bad human being because exactly. we believe in something different exactly you know if people treated life like a, a baseball team yeah i think the world would be a better place
because I don't think you're evil because you're a Giants fan. I hope you don't think I'm evil because I'm a Dodgers fan. No. <laughs> I'm not evil. You're I'm, not evil. <laughs> I, I, I can make better decisions in my life. You're not evil. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I equate things like that to a lot of things, uh, to, to life. You know, we can have differences of mm-hmm. of religion. We can have differences of political views. We yes. have differences of, 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 like I said, baseball teams. But when that starts to get into others being bad human beings, yeah, that's where I think our society as a whole is really hurting, really hurting right yeah. now. I, t- I totally agree with you on that. What advice can you give other individuals interested in following in your career footsteps? Do something else. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard, right? It it's too hard. Yeah, no, uh, what advice... Some of the best advice I received um, was always do your best, no matter what where you are, or what you're doing. Never take things for granted. The other advice was stop trying to impress other people or don't do things because you are being looked at. Mm. People won't notice you mm-hmm. if you're just doing the right thing. So the advice I would give for individuals is one, follow your dream. You have to do that. Yeah. Um, the other is do the best you can. Focus on on whatever the goal is for that time period at that time, and do your best at it. You know, there were classes that I took that I vividly remember going. I never want to do this again, but right now I'm going to do the very best I can so that I can be done with it mm-hmm. and then move on. Mm-hmm. You know, there are those that uh, I've seen that like, oh, I have to do X. Oh, I don't want to do Y. Oh, and it, it becomes a a drag in their overall personality and their yeah. overall spirit. Yeah. You know, as professionals, we have to be able to do things that we may not like to do. Right. So to me, it's a it's it's a it's a training. It's a mindset. So, and that starts very young. It starts in in in, in elementary school and then younger kids. Like, do there gonna be things that you don't like to do? Yeah but you have to do it because of this reason. So for those that wanna follow in my footsteps, I think it is do what you love, do it well, stop worrying about what other people think about it, and others will notice it, and you will just be a better, happier person as you make your way through. Um, I, I I ended up where I am right now. Uh, I can honestly tell you I, one of the, my challenges is, you know, and this is not a negative, this is, you know, you know pol- politics. Mm-hmm. You know, I try and do what's right, regardless of who's in the room or where they are. I just think that's ethically, mm-hmm. right? I try not to be a different human, I try not to be a different human being in different spaces, that's too hard. Mm-hmm. It's just do the best you can with what you have at the time that you have it with the knowledge that you have. That uh, takes me always back to, um, yeah, I believe it was Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, do the best job that you know how to do. Mm-hmm. And then when you learn different, learn better, do better. Do better, yes. So do the best you can right now. Mm-hmm. And then the more you learn, do better. Right. And always do that. All That consistently will move you forward and move you up. It may not be fast, it, it, but, it, but eventually you will get there. Mm-hmm. You will get there. Uh, and, uh, you know, baseball. And, uh, <laughs> enough base hits is going to score a run. Right. 
you know, you don't have to always hit a home run to get there, but you also can't do it just by bunting. Right. (laughs) You have to get out there, hit the ball, swing, base hit, base hit, base hit. Mm -hmm. Someone's then going to score. Right. So as long as you're doing that consistently, Mm -hmm. you will eventually score. Whatever that score is for you, uh, again, whatever your journey is, mm-hmm. that whatever that score is, you'll get there. I love Just that. have the patience. I love that. Well, I'm not sure if you have any free time, but other than baseball, what do you do in your free time? You probably don't have any now, but... <laughs> uh, you know, I, the funny thing is I, I, I do have some free time. Good. Um, but that free time sometimes gets marred in my mind with, with things that are going on. Uh-huh. Like, that, you know, I could be working 24, 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. <laughs> right. I choose not to. And it's not because I don't like to do it. It's because we have to take some time to to let our minds rest. So that's my challenge uh-huh. is, is letting my mind rest. So for right now, in my free time, I have decided about maybe a month ago, I was going to uh, binge watch Again, Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> so I've been, you know, getting home and cooking, eating, spending some time down, and then watching like two episodes mm-hmm. of the Game of Thrones right. just to kind of get me into somewhere, another space. Mm-hmm. And as I'm getting further, further in there, I'm like, maybe I should have picked another series <laughs> that didn't have every every king or getting murdered. Getting murdered, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. maybe I should have picked something more, you know, more light mm-hmm. <laughs> and fluffy, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I love I, I like the series when it first came out. Um, I love it now again going around and the the things that you see from a different perspective. Like oh my god, I never noticed that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's what kind of gets excites me now, and that's why I do a lot of my free In time. Free time now. No. Okay. Before that, I played a lot of softball. Okay, I didn't. Okay. Um, I'm sure there's some league up here that you there, there eventually are. get involved with. I have looked. Yeah. But I have also made the strategic decision to to, to just not do that right not now. Not right now. Mm-hmm. Not right now. Mm-hmm. So okay. in the future. What personal goals do you have to achieve as president this year? Just a few of them for MPC mm-hmm. as president. So for MPC or my own personal goals? Um, For MPC. For MPC. Yes. I want MPC, wow, as we are bringing back physically on campus more and more students, Mm -hmm. I want the space to be, again, I don't don't know what it was like before, but I want it to be different, engaging, and an exciting space to be. Uh, And that's a challenge as we're moving back in out of this pandemic because Mm -hmm. You know, people are used to being separated. They're used to being yeah. in Zoom. They're used to not used to being around so many people. We've all had to had to get readjusted to being in the same room with other individuals. And on the other hand, we know that those human connections are important. You know, in the education system and in education, uh, the brainstorming and bouncing off of ideas with another person. Can that happen via Zoom? Yes, it can happen, but it's more likely to be engaging and and happen more frequently on campus and in the space. So a goal of mine for MPC is to fully reopen, to fully engage, to have clubs and activities on campus. Even the student that is taking online classes, 
I would love for them to come onto the campus and take their online class. They'll engage with the resources. I think that's I think that's important for them. So my goal again is when we are done with this year, I want all of our students to go, God, that was a great experience I had at MPC. Not just I learned a lot, because that that's that's important. But the experience that people have is incredibly important. To this day, I I can equate things that I learned with the experiences that I had when learning them. And you don't always get that in front of a computer screen. Um, Again, I wanna be clear, that doesn't mean it can't happen, but I would much rather have people on campus here, engaged with each other, with our faculty, with our, our our wonderful staff, like we have a whole team of hundreds of people here on campus, ready and waiting to help support students. And just walking into an office and getting that smile or hello mm-hmm. it means a lot, and it, it'll go a long way. Okay, that's all of the questions that I have for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell my listeners today? Anything else I would like to tell your listeners? Wow. Um, what I would like people to know about my philosophy and about Monterey Peninsula College and my my time here in the future is is really going to be focused on on things like things that words that you don't always associate with a college. Things like love, compassion, mm-hmm. um, caring for others. Routinely, I have in my time here. And it's just been two months, my third month. I, I can promise you there'll be people on campus who will say, I have spoken about, I you don't teach a subject. You teach people mm. about a subject. Mm-hmm. So when I say I taught music, I never taught music. Mm-hmm. I taught Yvonne or uh, these students about music. Mm-hmm. That's where I want... Um, everyone in the community to understand that that's where I am pushing for the institution to be uh, supportive of human beings, to be holistic in how we see students. And for students to come out with you know, a, a degree or be trained in the workforce, but we're not training future surgeons. We're training people. Mm-hmm to be future surgeon. A surgeon is just an occupation. Right. That is not a human being. It's the person in that role. So this space, when people come here, I want people to know that they will be supported. Um, the people to know that if they send their 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 son, daughter, or, or see their wife, husband, partner off, that that they're going to be seen and that they're going to be taken care of as, as human beings and not just an ID number or cramming knowledge or information down them. But that's my goal. Yeah. That's a big goal. It is a huge goal. It, it, and it's not just NPC, it's a societal. You know, how do we change society to see people as human beings and not just what they are doing, what they've done, what they could do, but to see a human being in them mm-hmm. and a humanity in individuals. Yeah. I think that's a core of, again, part of our, some of our societal challenges is we always don't see the humanity and others. My hope is that we start that we continue to do that here at MPC 
and just rev it up a lot more. Wonderful goal. And I hope that I can circle back around with you in a year and see. Okay. See where we are. You better get on my calendar now. I will get on (laughs) your calendar now. But thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today. This was wonderful. And I think it'll give people in our community a better insight into you and what's going forward with MPC. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And a very special thank you once again to Dr. Marshall Fulbright for being my guest today. This podcast releases on Fridays with 30 to 60-minute episodes featuring interviews with special guests, commentary, and my personal take on current events happening in this outrageous world we live in. We hope you'll listen in on our next episode, coming soon. CCC with YT Podcast is executive produced by Yvonne Thomas. Theme music by Shayla the Artist.